Hello there, this is Coden. And this is Cassia. And welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast where we discuss the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic games and proposed movie adaptations, as well as Star Wars news. Today we'll be talking about the future of Star Wars movies, Sith Troopers, and past and present. And answer of your question, this is episode 10, and this is where the Unknown Regions begin. Over the holidays, I saw The Rise of Skywalker again, and I think I enjoyed it more the first time. When I saw it again, I kind of realized, like, the breaknaking, the pace was way too fast, and some of the writing was, it just felt rushed and kind of hobbled together. It kind of just stuck out more that it's like, oh, they just stumble upon this mist mystical dagger on Pasana, which leads them to the wreckage and the, the knife just like aligns perfectly with it and it just seemed like coincidence upon coincidence upon coincidence and I, I think I enjoyed Rise of Skywalker the most but for me just seeing it again it was kind of more just fun to kind of pick it apart rather than just kind of just watch it you know uh what were some of your thoughts on seeing it again? The biggest thing for me was that I was able to watch it in a more quiet setting. And that allowed me to enjoy the movie a little bit more, just to be able to pay attention. A lot of the things that I picked up that were on the more nitpicky side, I kind of picked up already through the first viewing and have already kind of expressed some of my feedback and thoughts over that from our last episode. So this kind of gave me the, a little more of an opportunity to look at things that I wasn't really paying attention to just over initial viewer frustration and as well as trying to watch the main story and not looking at other background details. So examples is I was able to look at the text crawl and was able to see what that was a little bit more about and and I guess just pick up other details that I missed that people pointed out like the the Snoke clones and things like that. Uh, as far as did I enjoy it more or less i'd have to say that i still i pretty well just enjoyed it the same I, at that point i knew what i was getting into i kind of knew that it was kind of a mediocre movie and so just seeing it again was primarily to allow me to enjoy it and not have to just be dealing with saber forge lightsabers lighting up all the time or people just laughing and cheering when they should be paying attention yeah for me the sequel trilogy is a bit meh and i just feel like rise of skywalker is meh for me but i think after seven was kind of just a sequel to the original trilogies kind of pretending the prequels didn't exist and kind of just like a retread of a new hope like way too much and then the Last Jedi was kind of just like, let's do our own thing and kind of just ignore, you know, the rest of the saga. Nine was about as good as we could get. So those are some of my thoughts uh, after the second viewing of 
Rise of Skywalker, but seeing the Rise of Skywalker again, it just kind of hit me that the ending, I just really did not enjoy the ending because Ray, like the whole movie, you hear like, oh, it's all about teamwork and friendship and, you know, the people around you and like, don't be ashamed of who you are. And then in the end, it's just Rey alone on Tatooine, a planet that means nothing to her. She's just alone. None of her friends that are supposed to mean anything to her are there. She's just a lone woman like she began. And she tells the lady at the end that she's a Skywalker. Because apparently Luke and Leia are okay with it. And that's how last names work now. I did kind of notice that... The people in nine are like, oh, I want to know where your, your where your name comes from, you know? And it's like, I don't think anyone should badger people about their last names ever, you know? And I don't feel like that's ever been a thing in Star Wars before now. But I can understand maybe you can't reclaim Palpatine because he's kind of like the Hitler of Star Wars. But maybe she could have just said, I'm just Rey. And because she doesn't need to prove who she is anymore. And she can reject Palpatine, but it doesn't mean she needs to steal the Skywalker name. Especially after all the Skywalkers are gone, which I, I kind of feel bad about. Like, the Skywalker saga just begins with Anakin Skywalker and then his children and his grandchildren. And basically, they can't escape the cycle of tragedy. Because I feel like Star Wars is supposed to be a fairy tale they should have transcended the slavery and the fall of Darth Vader. And I think the Skywalker bloodline deserved to be, you know, happy. Like, because Star Wars is meant to be a fairy tale. What did you think about the ending? Uh, the biggest problem with all three of the movies is that there's, there's several points where they want you to feel a particular way about how they present an item. Like not knowing who Ray's parents were, her you know, her lineage. When they announce that there's a spy in the first order and you find out it's Hux and then how they deal with that whole thing and, and then yeah, at the end when she announces, Hey, my last name is Skywalker, they want you to feel like particular emotions to this story. But for me, part of the problem was the pacing. Part of the problem is that I didn't really care so much in the first place. And so it attempted to try and like resonate with a viewer but to me it was a, a nearer just miss and if they just made a couple like alterations where maybe she does just say oh my name is just ray to the to the woman on tattooing or if she said my name is ray solo i've brought up in the past that solo han solo was more of a father figure to ray yeah. Then Luke or Leia were parental figures to Ray. Uh, Luke was kind of that letdown, and Leia, I think, was kind of like this, this individual that was just so far beyond Ray, that it was almost like it was Ray was incapable to like look up to her because of just how much different they were. Just immediately at the beginning of the movie, you kind you see that Ray falls short of her perceived expectations from Leia. And yeah. And also I just never felt like I could always just tell, like it was recycled footage Yeah, with Leia. 
I just never really thought that they were sharing scenes together. Mm-hmm. So it, it took me out of it. Yeah. And besides, like, Leia's last name isn't Skywalker. It's either Organa or Solo, and that's it. You know, it's not Skywalker. Well, I mean, the maiden name is was originally Skywalker, but she was raised in Organa and then um, became Solo. So, right, I mean, if, if she were to pick Skywalker as her chosen given name or surname, it, it would have been more appropriate for Organa or Solo. And, yeah, Skywalker, I think means very little to ray yeah Yeah. it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense and she could have been solo because she's alone you know Mm -hmm. because apparently that's how you that's how han solo got his last name is because he was alone and that's he had no people that's in both legends and and canon so like that's just the way it works (laughs) yeah yeah and i just didn't feel like ray going to a desert planet and walking off into the binary sunset that's a good ending for maybe Luke Skywalker, but it's not the ending that's appropriate for Rey. It was also reused so. footage where they used the wrong landscape for Tatooine. They used yeah. the landscape of the planet that... Pisana. Pisana, right. So Pisana with the overlay of the sunset and mountains of Tatooine instead of just the sunset of Tatooine with the regular Tatooine landscape. So that was kind of an oversight and mistake by uh, LucasArts yeah. and Disney. I wonder if it originally pointed to like that ending was kind of made up. Like it wasn't the original ending. So I think we'll kind of learn more about the rise of Skywalker in the years to come and like the sequel trilogy as a whole. Well, JJ Abrams came out in an interview and said that that wasn't the original ending. Like that whole, that whole ending sequence was different, but Disney had claimed that it wouldn't make them enough money. And so they had them scrap the proposed ending and replace it with their proposed money making ending, which was the end game ending. Yeah. And I think they really want to have that Skywalker copyrighted name somewhere. So I guess maybe we'll see Ray Skywalker pop up again. And I do Um, wish that the merchandise left the lightsaber as the Luke or Anakin lightsaber and not the Ray lightsaber because it's not Ray's lightsaber. That lightsaber, it's, it's Anakin's. He didn't kill all of those younglings for you know like some random person to call it their lightsaber but at least she made her own lightsaber out of her staff at the end so and it's yellow it's a it's a very short double-bladed lightsaber i thought it was just a single-bladed but maybe it is a double-bladed but they didn't show it's got an emitter on Hmm. it's got an emitter on the other end so she only ignited one end but it's a it's a symmetrical hilt so both both ends are emitters and it's just a but it's only big enough to comfortably use in one hand i can't wait to pick up ray's lightsaber from the disney store you know it'll be nice to have a yellow lightsaber option yeah and i did like that they brought the yellow blade to canon yeah i mean it has been canonized in rebels and clone wars because the Jedi Sentinels, like the guards of the Jedi Temple, 
always had yellow lightsabers, but it's just nice to see it in live action. Yeah, and in a in a main character Jedi um, possession too, because you don't really have a major Jedi character with just anything but a blue or green lightsaber. Yeah, so it's always nice to have more yellow. And when I saw the yellow lightsaber, I'm like, oh, is canon! Like, that's just what I saw. So I'm like, yeah, it makes her canon. So, yeah. And in further Rise of Skywalker news, the art book and the official novelization were delayed until spring 2020. So... They may be coming out in March. And I don't know if that's because the story was changed kind of last minute and they had to switch some stuff around. But I guess we'll see when they're released what they look like. Yeah, I just learned about uh, the art book maybe about a week ago. And uh, I haven't really looked at a Star Wars art book since the original trilogy art book. And so, I mean, it'll be cool when it comes out, but... I'd never even looked at the prequel one. And I think I, I would actually be pretty interested to take a look at that prequel one. Uh, the prequel ones were pretty good. You sometimes learn some alternate ways like the story could have gone. In some of the concept art, originally Padme was going to come with a knife when she confronted Anakin on Mustafar and she was going to try and kill him. And uh, I think that could have been, that could have played out well because I think a little bit in Revenge of the Sith, Padme kind of just went along with things and, you know, died of sadness. It would have been cool to kind of see her challenge Anakin more rather than just kind of die of sadness, you know? And she was also, because she was giving birth to two Force users, she could feel the Force in some concept art. So she was, like, originally, like, some of the concept art, she was going to, like, be with... Yoda and when order 66 happened she was going to be able to feel it because she was just you know like high on hormones and metachlorians so she could feel it that could have been cool but that's some of the interesting tidbits you can learn from art books yeah and I think so. the producers that did like the Clone Wars they they I think they did a lot better job portraying Anakin and Padme both in their mm -hmm. relationship, but just them individually, where Padme was much more of a leader and much more like more sure of herself. And in, with Anakin, Anakin was just more believable. Uh, you could see just his range of emotions, how it kind of drives him. Like it was an interesting take of what the Revenge of the Sith could have been had they went more of kind of a realistic approach i still think like revenge of the sith is a good movie i just think the prequel trilogy would have benefited if someone else were directing and writing the scripts but anakin and padme's relationship was definitely strengthened by having the clone wars exist yeah i would say and one other news tidbit about the future of star wars is that supposedly the director of the new Star Wars project will be announced this month in January 2020. And apparently they have uh, three movies set for the moment. The first one would come out December 26, 2022. And the second would come out in December 20th, 2024. And the third in December 18th, 2026. 
But what is interesting is there is a quote from Kathleen Kennedy. She was talking to the Los Angeles Times and she said, I think moving beyond trilogies gives us a more open-ended view of storytelling. It doesn't lock us into the this three-act structure. We're not going to have some finite number and fit it into a box. We're really going to let the story dictate that. Do you think that's Kathleen I, talking? Or do you think that's Disney talking? I don't know. I Because I think no one's ever had a problem with trilogies until the sequel trilogy, really. So we'll just see because supposedly they already have the trilogy mapped out, the dates. They could just be placeholder dates that can always change. I think you just, if you have an outline and you know where you're going and you have a story that needs to be told, not just a story that you want told so you can pay off your $4 billion business deal and merchandise things as soon as possible, I think trilogies work. But it'll be interesting to see if Disney does move forward with just some one-offs like Rogue One or Solo, or if they'll just like have a trilogy after this. I think they're basing it off of the failure of the Disney Skywalker trilogy because you know they they tried to do three movies and three directors but they ended up doing the the three movies and two directors and writing the story as they go and i think they're trying to they're making an assumption off of the product of that and you know maybe they don't have to do trilogies going forward but maybe if they just gave a director more creative freedom maybe let's do a story touching on this era or topic and left it to like a director and a writer to put something together. And if it ends up being two or three movies, then it ends up being two or three movies. But if it ends up just being one or six or seven, it could be, you know, that. But I think what's more important is if there is a particular story that they want to tell in the Star Wars universe, if they stuck with one director for that story and then let another director maybe attack a different portion of the story and kind of go that way i think that would be a bit better of an approach than just saying we've have now found out that trilogies don't work so we're no longer going to do trilogies i think trilogies work fine and they're a fulfilling way to tell stories and to partake of stories it's kind of like the five paragraph essay in school yeah um, where like it's not broke don't fix it because it's fine if you're worried about it, you're doing it wrong, I think. <laughs> and and a five-paragraph essay isn't always five paragraphs, too. It's, I mean, you could yeah. have a ten-paragraph, but it's it's that it's just a structure, right? It's You've got the opening act that sets up what the story's going to be about. You've got the middle act that kind of just lays out maybe a little bit more groundwork in detail of kind of the what's happened and this is what's happening. And then you have the cap, which is the climax and the resolution. And yeah, and that's that's how a trilogy is supposed to work. And what we saw was of three approaches to tell a story trying to be a trilogy. And it was just three approaches to tell a story. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into this more in the future. Both of us are hoping is that the next trilogy is... Knights of the Old Republic. Because the first one could just be like setting up like the hero's journey. You you learn who the team is. And then in the second one, 
it's kind of when poop hits the fan, things get really bad. And then in the third one is you have the conclusion, the epic conclusion and the redemption. So I think, I think it could work to have KOTOR, the first Knights of the Old Republic, broken up into a trilogy. So I hope that's what happens. And I hope they have people who are passionate about the lore and the story and that people make outlines. It's it's unfortunate that J.J. Abrams has expressed that he doesn't want to do another Star Wars movie. And I think that has everything to do with how what happened with this one. Like I said earlier, I think if Disney just allowed more creative control, Disney and LucasArts, I mean, we could put both of them on the table, but if they allow more creative control for a director to tell the story they want to tell, I would love to see a another attempt by J.J. Abrams to tell a different Star Wars story. And and the same would go with Ryan Johnson. You know, apparently he he scored a huge hit with this other movie he produced, this Knives Out movie. And, yeah, I uh, enjoyed it. And right, so I mean, he's not a he's not a bad director. I just think that he had a different idea of what a Star Wars movie should be, and it just didn't mesh well with trying to tell a story in the format of a trilogy. Yeah, and, I think he would be an excellent Star Wars director, just not an excellent fit with legacy characters because i think visually he has a great panache and a good match but i just didn't like some of the story choices he made and i just think if he maybe would have done something else in the star wars universe it would have been a better fit it'll it'll be interesting to see what the future holds personally i'm okay with jj abrams leaving but the thing is why lucas produced his own films as so he wouldn't be told by a corporation what to do. And now he sold Disney Star Wars and Disney can dictate what they want people to do. So it's kind of sad, like to see creative control take a hit. Well, yeah. I mean, if JJ Abrams doesn't want to do Star Wars, he's not going to do Star Wars, but you know, I thought he did a fine job with his attempt to reboot Star Trek the first film was great. The other two, not so much, but... Yeah, I don't think he did the third of the new Star Trek films, but he did Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like Star Trek Into Darkness, but I found Star Trek to be a good reboot. I think so. that was just a product of the first one being very successful and they tried to milk it for more money and just kind of maybe because it definitely wasn't a trilogy it was just a sequel and a sequel so just kind of a stack of movies similar to what uh, marvel's been doing with their avenger characters his initial attempt the the original star trek reboot was you have you have the big star trek people that didn't care for it but i think for capturing a new audience and getting people interested in the idea of star trek i thought jj abrams did a solid job with that it revitalized the brand. So we just hope that wherever the future of Star Wars is going, it's going to be good.
of Skywalker featured Sith Troopers. This isn't the first time they've existed in the Star Wars story, but the Sith Troopers in Rise of Skywalker are the first canon Sith Troopers. The Sith Troopers in the Rise of Skywalker, I feel like they kind of just existed to sell Funko Pops. Uh, what did you think? The thing that stuck out to me the most was why are they red? I mean, of course you have the the Royal Guard that are red, but why why is a whole battalion of troopers red? I mean, red is the easiest color for your eye to pick out, which makes them the easiest targets to shoot down. <laughs> so Yeah. At first I thought there was going to be like Kylo Ren leading the White Storm Troopers or First Order Troopers, you know? And Palpatine was going to be leading the red Sith troopers. And I was like, oh, visually, that makes sense to have white versus red so you can differentiate between them. But that didn't happen. So they're kind of just like red because they are red because they were called Sith troopers. And why are they called Sith troopers? Because. It's a great question. The lightsabers are red, so the stormtroopers will be too. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah, know. I mean, the original Sith on Korriban were red, but yeah, the Emperor's Guard were originally red, but uh, it's just it's just an unanswered question, I think. And so, like, we've been knocking on it a little bit, but in reality, I just think it's just something that maybe they're just red because they're red. I mean, I guess even the first the the clone battalion from the prequels the guard that was like the emperor's personal battalion wore red stripes so maybe it's just been the the thing with the republic and the empire is that those that are closest to the senate and the emperor have the red marking well the senate and the emperor are the same person no just kidding. <laughs> um and also, like, in The Rise of Skywalker, it's never really explained, like, where all these ships come from. And they're all just suddenly manned. So I just wonder, like, if they're just hanging out in the unknown regions or they come out of ice. And they're all just, you know, staffed with people. Yeah, so, I think staffing is the the most, like, unrealistic. I mean, they they talk a little bit how... The new Star Destroyers are more automated, which would make more sense that it doesn't take tens of thousands of crew members to pilot a Star Destroyer like an original Star Destroyer, where most of that could be done by uh, AI or by droids. And the design of the Star Destroyer also was just kind of like a revitalization of the just the first Imperial Star Destroyer. Uh, which you see in Rogue One, but it's bigger. It's like it's just scaled up bigger, and so I and think it has Death Star power. Yeah, it's got that yeah. laser cannon at the bottom. So I think as far as innovation goes, I don't think there was a ton of innovation to the new Star Destroyer, but it was just bigger with one big weapon at the bottom. Yeah, I don't think they needed like the Death Star capabilities and the rise of skywalker it just seemed like a little bit too much it's just the big giant ball wasn't working anymore so now they made a million wedges with the uh yeah. the super laser. i just i just think that the death star is played out like it was played out in episode seven 
with uh, the Starkiller base. Like, I just don't think we needed to have them have Death Star cannons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Sith Troopers, they were designed by concept artist Glenn Dillon and sculpted by Sam Williams. And the Sith Trooper costume was designed by Michael Kaplan. They look more like clone troopers than stormtroopers. Uh, the clone troopers were a mix of like the stormtroopers and Jango Fett. And these, I would say they're a mix of clone troopers and the color red, you know? One uh, thing that I noticed with them is their armor looked more solid than the First Order Trooper. I felt like the First Order Trooper was, they, they like draped. Looked like an iPhone. Yeah, maybe like the iPhone 5C, like the really plastic, colorful iPhone. Yeah. Just kind of like that plastic draped over their shoulders as their protective plate or the new uh, Sith Trooper felt more like it was a more rugged design. It was very it looked like there was just more armor on each trooper. And also speaking of uh, the Sith Troopers armor, Stormtroopers were designed to look like skeletons. Kind of to evoke evil and to scare people. It's an iconic design. The Sith Troopers are designed to look more like muscles. Like, that's why they're red. And they kind of have some lines on the armor that kind of evoke the imagery of muscles. It also reminded me of the Boltons emblem from Game of Thrones like the flayed man that was kind of an interesting development maybe in one of these sequel trilogy spin-offs we'll see a skin inspired trooper that would be frightening the most unrealistic thing about that whole sequence was the amount of people that they showed off that were part of that new fleet staff command x the the battalion of sith troopers I think everything yeah. else could be explained, but except for that. I'm sure it'll be explained in like some book or comic book or whatever, but I kind of, I feel like the movie should stand on its own. Like I shouldn't have to look at some other instance in the canon to have the movie make sense. The movie should make sense on its own. But also the Sith Troopers are divided into legions of 5,000 they are known numerically by a number and also a Sith Lord's name. And from the visual dictionary, some Sith Lords from canon are recanonized. And the most important is the Third Legion is named after Revan from Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. So he's officially back in the canon and we're never letting him again. So... But he was always canon in my heart. The Fifth Legion is named after Andedu. He was the first immortal god king of the Prakith. He was like the first Darth, you could say. Uh, the 17th Legion is named after Tanis, who existed about 3966 before Battle of Yavin. He developed the Kyber weaponry on Malachor. So I guess you could say like the Sith have always been working on Death Stars. Like the Death Star technology, trying to amplify that. And then the 26th Legion was named after Tenebris, who was Darth Plagueis' master. So it's good to have Plagueis 
becoming more and more canon in the new canon. And then the 39th Legion is named after Phobos, which means fear in, I believe, Greek. And she is a Thelan from the Force Unleashed. And the 44th Legion is named after Desilus, who was a Powan Jedi master until he turned to the dark side, and he was also from the Force Unleashed. So combine that with the Flame Trooper from the Mandalorian, and the Force Unleashed is having a bit of a moment. So I'd love to see it become canon again. And the 105th Legion was made up of Sith Troopers and Sith Jet Troopers because they fly now. They fly now? They fly now. I mean, they've always flown, but apparently you're not going to buy the toy unless you know they fly now. So that's... Uh, it's like in, in the original Battlefront, you had the Jet Troopers, and it's like they've, they've been flying for a long time. <laughs> And even like in elsewhere in the Disney's new canon, Poe Dameron has seen them fly. So it shouldn't be a surprise. So. And that that concludes the new Sith Troopers from the Rise of Skywalker. We've had a chance to talk about the reintroduction of Sith Troopers with the Rise of Skywalker. So we're going to kind of take a step back to the origins of the Sith Trooper where they're brought up in KOTOR. So uh, Cassie, why don't you take it away with the origins of the Sith Trooper? They really don't have anything in common other than the name, but the OG Sith Troopers are the best Sith Troopers, and they don't just exist to sell Funko Pops. So the Sith Troopers were the infantry armed forces from the Sith Empire. They're volunteers. They, they didn't have the force. They were just normal soldiers. They are founded uh, by Darth Revan. They were traitorous members of the Republic army that followed Malak and Revan when they fought the Mandalorian Wars. And after Revan and Malak turned to the dark side, they either were killed off or they joined him. And they were seen as kind of just expendable grunts and, you know, evil by the Republic. Later on in KOTOR 2, they also appear because they fought for the Sith Triumvirate. Most of the Sith Troopers appear to be silver or white. And I think they're meant to be more silver than anything. It was meant to evoke like the medieval shining armor, kind of more a medieval take on Star Wars. So that's what they were going for. And underneath the silvery armor... They had black padding and visors that covered their face. And depending on if a Sith trooper was in a Sith, was a Sith elite troop or a Sith commando, they could appear red or copper. And I think they're meant to appear more red. So perhaps Disney Lucasfilm was inspired by the Sith troopers in Knights of the Old Republic when they were designing their Sith troopers. But... Some of the different variants of Sith Troopers were Sith Commandos, Sith Elite Gunners, Sith Heavy Troopers, Sith Grenadiers, and Sith Wranglers, and Sith Advanced Troopers. They're probably the most common, other than Dark Jedi, of people you'll confront in Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, and we love them. 
Yeah, just looking at one of these tile images here from the original game is like this Sith Trooper here kind of has a mix of red and copper and it almost looks kind of like the scheme of Iron Man. So I think it would be weird had they used a mix of red and copper for the new Sith Trooper. It may have just uh, hit that note of, hey, these are like a bunch of Iron Man, especially if some of them were flying around as jet troopers. So I think maybe sticking to a solid red was maybe a little bit more smart. Um, so it didn't look like it was the same color palette. Even though Disney owns, you know, Iron Man, so they could have gotten away with it looking like Iron Man. Yeah, it just would have maybe struck people a bit more wrong than just having it solid red, I think. Yeah. So the solid red does look better than kind of the copper and red. So, yeah, the OG Sith Troopers will hopefully be canon again one day, along with Revan. topic tonight it's from ryan flash one two threes he had a question for us and again he just uh, sent us this question i think through instagram and uh, yep. if if uh, the questions arise that you want to bring to us you know our instagram is a great platform to do so but we also have the email which we'll cover at the end of our discussion but uh his question was what happened to lord vitate lord scourge and revan after the big fight and uh, Cassia, what were some of the thoughts that you gathered on that question? This happens at the end of the Revan novel. Revan, Mitra, and Scourge approach but Vitiate or Vitate. And while Revan fights Vitate, Mitra and Scourge fought his guards. Revan fought against Vitate and then managed to redirect some lightning at him. But Revan found himself like overpowered. And he was almost killed, only to be blocked by the exile who had just kind of killed the guards with the help of Scourge. Just when it looks like they're about to fight Vitiate three on one, Scourge sees vision of Vitate defeated in the future. So Scourge just decides to kill the exile because he doesn't want to be punished by the Emperor. So bye-bye, exile. It, it kind of sucks. Like, that's how she dies. I kind of have some problems with the Revan novel, <laughs> and that's one of them. So Vitiate um, uses the opportunity to knock Revan unconscious, and then Revan is in prison, and then he's tortured by Vitiate for about 300 years, which leads up to Star Wars The Old Republic. So that's kind of the gist I got, and hopefully that answers the question. Did you have any additional thoughts, Coden? I was actually surprised that Vitate was a Sith. It kind of looked like a Republic soldier from all the promotional material. He looks like a nice guy dressed in white, you know, so he just seems trustworthy. Well, and the, the promotional material of the Old Republic, there's the expansion where you've got, like, the two brothers, and they're they're trying to, like, please this overbearing father figure. 
um, which is Lord Vitate. And one is good, and the other one, it kind of like embraces his dark side. And it seems like both of them kind of fall short of Vitate, but in the end, the the one that kind of succumbs to the dark side ends up delivering a killing blow to his brother and then is basically like like acknowledged by his father finally. And so, I mean, maybe he was a Sith the whole time and I just kind of misread the, the ad because at the time I hadn't really played any of the Old Republic when I had saw the ad and when I started dabbling with the MMO, like I haven't gotten to any of that source material where he's actually relevant. But I think through this question is like, oh, this guy's a Sith. That whole thing is a, is a Sith perspective. So it ends up being kind of this, like an every man for himself type battle from the information that I was looking at with uh, Tenebrae Vitae, um, Revan, and the Exile. And it ends up just, it does claim the life of Revan. So Revan gets captured initially and he gets broken out, but then he... He kind of dies through his escape, and they go on talking about how part of Revan lives on his dark side self, kind of latches on to an artifact, as the Sith do, whereas the the Jedi part of him goes off to be part of the Force. As far as the Exile, I didn't really find a lot over the Exile or, or Gurge, other than Vitate just kind of comes out on top in the end and uh, just continues to rule the Sith Empire as he does. Yeah. The exile kind of just dies and then, like, appears, like, as a force ghost to Revan while he's being tortured. So I, I just wish they could have, like, had something better for her to do than just die and be a force ghost. Yeah, and I, I should probably pick up the Revan novel and take a look and see what that perspective is, but uh, I haven't had a lot of time to read books and been playing KOTOR so <laughs> yeah almost so, done with the uh, Fallen Order and back to the KOTOR grind I guess hopefully that answers Ryan Flash 123's question thank you everybody for uh, joining in we've been able to talk about the uh, f the future of Star Wars the Sith Trooper perspective from the Rise of Skywalker as well as KOTOR and uh, again thanks Ryan for uh, sending us your question this has been Coden this has been Cassia and you can find us on twitch.tv forward slash Conan to catch just various uh, Star Wars games streaming. Uh, currently, it's Jedi Fallen Order. That's going to move back over to KOTOR 2 once we get Fallen Order out of the way. And then you can email us your comments and questions at ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also like our photos, our stories, and submit comments and questions on Instagram at ebonhawkpodcast. And our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman, and he can be found at https colon slash slash com slash Sounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been episode 10 of The Ebon Hawk. Take care of yourselves, meatbags, and may the force be with you. We'll be back soon, and bye for now. Thank you.